Welcome to the Renew Life Church Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. So excited to be here. Uh, my name is Cody Sykes. I'm one of the associate pastors um, here at Renew Life Church and, and uh, also get to do a lot of other cool things. I get to hang out with our students every Wednesday night. They are amazing. Can we give it up for our, our junior high and high school students? Our youth ministry is incredible. Some of them are on the front. If you're a first-time guest, we want to welcome you, church. Would you welcome the first-time guests? Thank you for coming. This is our family. You're welcome anytime that you want to be here. Uh, we are just really, really pumped about what God is doing. And he's doing a lot. Uh, he's doing a whole lot. I believe that some things have been released. Uh, Pastor Braden started uh, this year off by, by talking about how in 2020, we're supposed to, to go heavy into the prophetic and the supernatural. And then we had a guest speaker come, and he kind of lit everything on fire, if you will. I mean, we were actually, we were splashing each other with water that wasn't seen with a natural eye. Do y'all remember that? I walked into this, and I didn't know what was going on. I wasn't in the service the whole time, and I walk in, and I sit next to Keith. And as I walk in, uh, I just see people doing this. And I looked at Keith, and I was like, what is going on in our church? It was God. I'm just going to confess that it was God, but he's just moving. He's doing a lot of things, and there's a lot of testimonies that are happening. A lot of things are being released into our church body that continuously coming in. One thing that, that Dave prayed uh, over our staff and over our church, uh, he was sharing testimonies about uh, this, this, this $1,000 testimony that, that was happening in Reading, and he, and he just prayed that we would receive it as a church, that, that there would be manifestations of thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars that's coming into the people of Renew Life Church, and it's already started happening. Yesterday, we got a text uh, about a, a couple that comes to our church that didn't, uh, they weren't expecting to have to pay taxes, but they didn't know that they were going to get $10,000 back. Amen. Uh, there's just amazing things happening. There's someone else texted right after that and said, it wasn't 10,000, but I got 1,600 randomly in the mail. We've had so many people come forward and just say that God is actually providing this thing that was released into our church body by Dave. And so I'm just telling you, if you need it, claim it because it can be yours too. Amen. Amen. So let's just go ahead and, and jump in. Let's, let's pray first. God, I thank you. Thank you that you're here. Oh, Jesus, if we do anything, I pray that we don't miss you. God, that your, your kindness, your mercy, the gravity of who Jesus is, the gravity of what Jesus said that we could live like and what Jesus said we could do, that it would become our reality. I thank you that we're stepping today into places that we've longed for. I just prophesy and believe that you're releasing keys to unlock destinies and strategies into people's lives today that will unlock the locks that have, that have been locked in their life for so long. I thank you that your, your presence is permeating this room. We give you full permission, God, to do anything and everything that you want. I pray that you would just come over me, that you would just speak through me, that your words would come through me, that, that, you, would, that you would bless my tongue, that you would anoint my tongue, that you would anoint my mind, Lord, that, that I would just do the best that I can to reflect the heart of the Father to your children today. We love you. We thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Today, I want to speak to you 
I want to speak to you about identity. You know, I, I mentioned that Braden said that in 2020, we were supposed to press into prophecy, go heavy into prophecy. But I want to talk today about how identity actually plays a very, very big role in prophetic uh, and also living supernaturally. I believe that one of the most amazing things uh, about a person that they could believe is them believing that Jesus is who he says that he is and he actually has good things for them and there are good things that they can do. But I also believe that the enemy is after our identity. It's, it might be the number one thing that he's after. He wants us to convince us of all of the things that Jesus said that we are. He wants to actually go against every single one of those things to get you to dare to believe that there's actually something else other than what God said. He wants to come against truth in any way, shape, or form. And today I just want to dare you to believe that you're a son. I want to dare you to believe that you're a daughter. I want to dare you to believe that you are in the family of the Most High God. You're not a cousin. You're not a stepson. You're not a stepdaughter. But you are a son and you are a daughter. And there are things put in your life that you're supposed to do that he prepared beforehand. We find that in Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 10, it says this. It says, for we are his workmanship. Another version says we are his masterpiece. Created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God has called you to be someone, and he's called you to do some amazing things. God wants to use you. He doesn't have to, but he wants to. He wants to use you. That's really good news. I don't know if you've ever known that. I don't know if you've ever believed that, but it's good news that God wants to use you. I don't know what your life has looked like up to this point, but it doesn't matter because God's saying that I want to use you. I don't know that if, if maybe you've been a person that was constantly pushed down by beliefs that you were not enough, but God is saying today, I want to use you. I've prepared some things for you to do beforehand, and they are good. It's important that we understand some things about our identity, though. Colossians chapter 3 verse 3 it says this it says for you died to this life it says your real life is hidden with Christ in God it's in God second corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says this therefore if anyone is in Christ they are a new creation the old things have passed away behold all things have become new so it was your spirit that was reborn when you received Jesus as your lord and your savior you identify now as a spirit not as soul your soul literally makes up your mind, your will, your emotions, the things that you think, the things that you do, and the way that you feel. See, lots of times the issue that we, that we live with every single day is we think that we are comprised, that we're made up of the things that are in our soul. We think that we are our thoughts. We think that we are the things that we do, that we don't do, or the, that we say or that we don't say. We think that we are the ways that we feel, but that is not what Scripture is telling us. It says that, we, behold, all things have become new. The old things passed away, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. When identity is wrapped up in soul, it sometimes looks like this. Uh, you ever been in a situation in a relationship, and, and maybe you could identify with this, where you put yourself out there for, uh, for someone in relationship. Uh, maybe, maybe you submitted your life in a season or, or for a time to a leader or to another person, and they didn't do all of the things or say all of the things that you thought that they should have done or should have said to you. All of a sudden, you start approaching that person in a different way. You start drawing back. You start, you start, re, re, you start singling out yourself and singling them out. You, you're going to do relationship with other people, just not with them, because they said something that hurt. See, if you're not careful, when things hurt and your identity is wrapped up in the wrong thing, something's always going to hurt. When you put yourself out there in a relationship, 
Keith mentioned this last week. Uh, it was a quote by Jason Valentin. He said, transparency is letting people see, but vulnerability is actually letting someone touch it. We meet, I meet people all the time, and you know these people all the time. Oh, I'm a transparent person. I'll tell you anything you want to know. I bet you will, but you won't let me touch anything that you tell me. I've been to this person before. I've been to this person where everything that I have is on display, but you can't tell me anything about it because I can't learn anything. See, the thing about building an identity around the soul, around the things that make up our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, is when we get hurt, we run. We start pulling back. And we start building walls around the areas of our life that we're hurt. All of a sudden, if there was a snapshot of what, what, what we looked like, it was like a pinball machine. And every single one of the bumpers in a pinball machine are the areas of our life that we had been hurt. And the person that we're trying to do relationship with, maybe it's even God, is the little ball in the pinball machine. And anytime he touches a bumper, he's, he's literally shot off to something else. But if we're not careful, there's no space for anyone to be able to come into our life and say anything that might challenge us. But if we could remember that Colossians chapter 3 says that we died to this life in our real life, our spirit that was made brand new, is hidden with Christ in God, we'll open ourselves for people to be able to say and do some things in our life that would teach us something. It's all about our identity. It's all about understanding who Jesus actually says that we are. Identity put in the wrong place will create a, a breeding ground for insecurity. Identity put in the fact that maybe you are your thoughts or you are your will or you are the things that you do or you are your emotions, it will create insecurities in you that will just continue to breed over and over and over again. And all of a sudden, you don't do relationships with anyone. You don't know what intimacy even looks like. Intimacy literally looks, it literally is into me you get to see. But we have this, this view of intimacy in a different way. Intimacy is not, you can, that's close enough. Intimacy is how close can you get? You can get as close to me as you want to get. True intimacy with God is God here is all that I have. You can, you can operate and you can do anything you want in my life because I know it doesn't change my position as a son or a daughter with you. See, when we, when we live our life and we live our identity in a place of I am my thoughts or I am my deeds or I am the things that I've done, we, we never say, God, you're welcome in completely because we're constantly, consider, constantly concerned that we're losing our position with Christ. We can't lose our position with Christ because it's hidden in God. Amen? You got that? It's important that we understand who we are in spirit. But I want you to understand that just because you're, you're hidden with Christ in God, it doesn't mean that, that the enemy is not going to come and try to talk you out of your position with Christ in God. He's constantly wanting to come against you. And I just, I just believe that there is light that needs to be shed on the way that he attacks. And there's light that needs to be shed so that we would learn some things that we could actually apply that key to the lock that the enemy is, has had the keys to. I believe that when Jesus came and he died the death that he did and he, and he went and he defeated the grave and he was resurrected, he actually put the keys back in our possession that Adam gave away a long, long time ago. I'm just telling you this morning, you can actually reach out and take the key and unlock the lock that the enemy has had access to for so long. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, one of my favorite scriptures in all of, all of the Bible. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, that you would have life and that you would have life more abundantly. It just settles a lot of things for me. 
it settles so many things for me. This settled so many things for me early in my walk with God. Because I just, I, I just choose to read this in a way that it's like, okay, if this happens, this happens, and this happens, that comes from him. But if this happens, it comes from him. If life comes, it comes only through the power of Jesus. If, if my joy has been attacked, if, if my, my, my family is being attacked, if, if I am being d- distracted or being destroyed in any way, shape, or form, I know that it comes from the enemy. I'm just telling you this morning that you have an enemy and he's after your life. He's after the call that's on your life. I'm not trying to scare anyone in the room. I'm trying to convince you that there is a God that is greater than the enemy and he is for you. He's not against you. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. His plan is to steal your identity, convince you that you are not who God said that you are, to kill anything and everything that is good or anything and everything in you that is kingdom. He wants to ultimately destroy your life. Notice that that Satan came and tempted Jesus right after Jesus was baptized. This is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry on the earth. This is right at the beginning. He comes in, and after Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he takes him on all of these different places on the earth, these high places on the earth, and, and he begins to offer him, offer him things. If you'll, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you everything that you can see. And, and, and Jesus obviously withstood all of these attacks. But why did Satan do it at the beginning of Jesus' ministry? It's because G- Satan didn't want to deal with a resurrected Jesus. He didn't want to deal with a Jesus that had gone and conquered the grave. He wanted to deal with a Jesus and hopefully entice Jesus into worshiping him when he was maybe weaker. I'm just telling you that this morning, Satan is not interested in dealing with a supernatural version of who you are. He's really interested in dealing with a natural version of who you are because the natural version of who you are is weak. But the supernatural version of who you are is God with you. And if God is for you, then who could be against you? The answer is nobody. He wants to deal with you early and and often in your life. I believe that the attack of the enemy is early. I believe that it's early. The enemy wants to attack the places in you which you have the most potential to lead from. He wants to attack the places in you which you have the most potential to influence from. We hear people say all the time, well, when I have a platform, I'll influence people for Jesus. No, they won't. Because they've already been talked out of the platforms that they already have. Be it their job, be it their school, maybe it's their family. That's crazy to think that, oh, my family's a platform. It is. If he's talked them out of those platforms, he'll talk them out of greater platforms at some point too. He wants to come against the area that you have the most potential to lead from. Satan only knows how to tell a lie. That's all he does. He doesn't know how to tell the truth. He always attacks the truth. When something good happens in your life and you feel all good and you feel like God literally just spoke to you, the enemy wants to come and tell you a lie. He wants to come in and remind you, oh, that sounds good, but don't you remember this addiction on the side that you have? Oh, that sounds good, but don't you know that, that you're fighting with your wife on the way to church? Oh, you got a prophetic word? Oh, you're somebody now. But don't you remember? That's what he wants to do. Don't you remember? Any lie that the enemy tells you should actually confirm in you the truth that God's already spoke over you. It should confirm God. Any lie that the enemy has to say to you, it should confirm what God is saying over you. 
it should push you more into belief. It should push you more into understanding that I am, am a new creation in Christ and I have been created for the good works. I am a masterpiece. I am a son and I am a daughter and I have been created for good things. It should push you into belief, not draw you away from it. Now, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So if you feel condemned, if you've been condemned uh, for, for not pressing into what God has put in your life, stop that right now. Know that that comes from the enemy. Stealing, killing, and destroying it's his only purpose. I want to land all of this kind of in this place right here. We talked about in the beginning how this was a year of, of pressing in a prophecy in the supernatural. But I want you to get this. If Satan can talk you out of who God says that you are, he knows that you won't talk anyone else into who God says that they are. If he can come against your identity in such a way and talk you out of and convince you out of who God says that you are, he knows that you won't do your part in growing the kingdom of, of heaven by talking someone into who God says that they are. We, we read all of the time, we read this scripture multiple times, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. It's very simple. It says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. We understand that Prophecy is literally to edify, that is to instruct. The word edify literally speaks to building up the inward structure of a person. It's to exhort, it's to strongly encourage, and it's to bring comfort. Prophesying in its most simple form is actually sharing Jesus. You think, well, I can't get a prophetic word, and if I do get a prophetic word, or if I do get a word of knowledge, what if it's wrong? Well, who is the glory for one thing that I believe God challenged me many, a couple of years ago was when I would pray for someone and they didn't get touched, how did it affect me? Did it hurt me? Like, did it, was it a blow to my pride? Was it a blow to my identity? Was it a blow to who I was? And if it was, he just began to make, my, make me ask myself, then why did you need to pray? Was it for your glory and that you would be lifted up or was it for my glory and that I would be lifted up? Whose kingdom are we building here? If it's mine, it's going to fall. It's fallen before. The whole thing's gone to rubble. If I build it the same way, it'll fall again. But if I could understand that I am a son, that when I go and I have a word for someone, or when I go and I have a prophecy for someone, or when I go and I just want to tell them about Jesus, and it's 100% wrong, my desire was at the beginning of that verse in Corinthians, pursue love. That's my motivation. I just wanna pursue love, God. I just wanna be so full of love for people that when I go to release a word or when I go to pray, that they might be touched. But if they're not, I pray that they're still felt, they still feel that you love them. I think that's one of the beautiful things about some uh, that we do on a Sunday when we give words of knowledge. There's lots of times we'll just explain. It's literally God wanting to say something to you. He's thinking about you today. I don't know how else you could feel loved than to know that, that the Father of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, is thinking about you in, the, in, a, in a day. I don't know how, how much more to show someone that, that God loves them. But when it's wrong, understand that you're not wrong. The word might not be right, and that's totally fine. But you are not wrong. You and who you are have not come out of relationship with Jesus. You and who you are have not come out of hiding in God. 
So I'm just telling you, once you understand identity, risking things becomes a lot easier because it doesn't, it's not a huge blow on your identity because God says, man, great job. Good job. Like you went for it. Good job. My daughter, she's 10, she's fixing to be 11. One of the most amazing things, one of the proudest moments of my entire uh, life of being her dad, this this uh, past year she was a, a cheerleader for the, I think the fir- the third time, and uh, she was on a she was on a fifth grade team and and um, they made it to the Super Bowl, and of course she was so pumped and so excited and and uh, so they they do the whole thing where they announce all the players and they run out one by one and then they bring all of the cheerleaders to down the 50 yard line and they're facing the crowd and they announce them one by one by one by one, and they get to. Presley's name and she has no training at all Lord bless her she has no training in gymnastics or she just she just likes to be bubbly and she's a perfect cheerleader and uh, they call her name and she steps out of the line forward I'm not going to demonstrate because I'll fall into that and uh, she, she does the very best toe touch that she can do and she steps back in the line And I would imagine that people thought, well, that was terrible. And that's totally fine. But I thought, I couldn't be more proud of her for going for something that she doesn't have any training in. She didn't need to know how. She didn't need to have practiced it for a really long time to step out and to say, I'm this confident. And if anyone in the crowd saw it, my dad saw it, and I guarantee he's gonna applaud me for it, and I did. That is what God says about you. The moment that you step over a line and you just say, I'm going to go for something here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell someone about Jesus. Maybe it's in the middle of a grocery store or it's in the middle of Walmart. People need ministered at Walmart. I'm just going to say it. They need ministered everywhere. Chick-fil-A too. Can't nobody get enough God. But when you step over a line and you say, I am not worried about what I may look like because I know that my my dad always still sees me as son and daughter. And I'm gonna step over this line and I'm gonna give them a word. Hey, I just saw this angel taking charge over some guy named Cooper. I may be completely wrong, it doesn't matter. And it really, I'm telling you, there used to be a time in my life when that shook me to the core. The thought of being wrong kept me silent. And therefore my, my influence was being squelched. But when I, when I would speak, because my identity was wrapped up in what I did, what I didn't do, what I said and what I said didn't say, when I did speak and I was right, it built an empire of pride on the inside of me. I'm also telling you that when you can understand that your identity is wrapped up in who Jesus says that you are as a son and a daughter, and you're reminded of that and you live your life from that position, the chances of pride creeping in are going down, 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 and down. God wants to elevate you. I believe that all of this is bigger than even our own destiny. I believe that people are waiting for us to know who we are so that we might show them who he is.
We pray for revival. We pray for all of these things, and I believe that they're happening. There are things happening in our church that, that are advancing very, very rapidly. I'm just telling you that if we could stay in a position of understanding who we are in Christ, it will continue and it will grow faster. I'm not talking about numerically. I'm talking about actual souls being touched and people being discipled by the Spirit of God through you and through me. You say, well, I'm not worthy of it. Yeah, none of us were. When we talk about pursuing love and desiring spiritual gifts, I think sometimes we we skip past the pursuing love because the spiritual gift is attractive. It's like, I don't want to love that person, God. Don't you? Y'all know who Jesse DePlanis is? Oh, he's so funny. Uh, He was talking... He was talking one time about this guy that was just talking all this smack about him, this other pastor. <laughs> he has this crazy sense of humor. He's like, Lord, I don't like this guy. He said, and the Lord told him, well, me either. <laughs> but I died for him. It's like we don't love people all the time well. And so because we don't love well, we just say, well, I'm just going to skip that, and I'm just going to pursue this, the spiritual gift. No, you, you should actually be running after love and on the side desiring a vehicle to give your love away. I promise that when you desire love in such a way, when you pursue love in such a way, when you go after loving people in such a way, God will not let the running over of your love get wasted. He will actually deliver you the vehicle or the spiritual gift that will get the rest of your love into the people's lives around you. It's just who he is. He's not gonna let it get wasted. But I'm just telling you, pursue love. Desire the spiritual gift. When I can say that I love myself well, I'm also saying that I love God well. Because I'm a reflection of my father. You're a reflection of your daddy. We hope you loved our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com. Or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great rest of your day.